0: Philip Llanos, CEO, Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to The War Room. Andrea, it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing?
1: I am doing just great. Thanks for asking, Philip.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, Jason and I are happy to have you here. We're closing the day out with this episode. And... Uh, you know, when it airs, obviously it may be it may be in the morning. Lord only knows, but one thing is for sure. Uh, we're glad to have you here. You yourself, I have some notes here about you working with small business owners and executives. But before we dive into all those things, it's kind of customary around here to ask about the origins of the experiences you had growing up. Was it around entrepreneurs, corporate people, creatives? What was it like growing up?
1: Yeah, all of the above. Um, yeah, my dad's an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. I think you know, yeah, entrepreneurship was oh never f- too far away from my mind. Um, but also, uh, yeah, creatives. I mean, I'm I'm a musician, <laughs> so I mean, it it, it kind of spans all kinds of people. And uh, but I think that that creative spark as well as the entrepreneurship kind of go hand in hand on some level. So. Yeah.
0: I love that. You know, it's funny, one thing I know true to one thing I know to be true about musicians, the good ones anyways, is they know how to let a rhythm take place in their interaction with people and they know how to play their turn when it's time for them to solo and there's just this harmony if you will between them and the world that they exist in the good musicians right the 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 struggling ones
1: well, <laughs> <laughs> well also you're touching on something that I mean I could oh, I go in for an hour on this one but but you're touching on the idea of improv and and I come from a jazz background I studied jazz in, in undergrad so I mean not so much necessarily you know when we're talking about music that's written but yeah when you have that you're trading 4s you're kind of like building on somebody else's stuff that's that's where I'm that's where I, I enjoy it the most. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, entrepreneurs have another way, and in particular, Jason, of calling, they call it the bleeding edge, right? Where you've got to visit that area from time to time where you're like, you know what, we're making jazz right now. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and And that's such an entrepreneur thing, which is kind of ironic. I've, I never put it together, but jazz being one of the only original uh, American music art forms. And then, you know you combine that with the way entrepreneurship works, and it's it's a really interesting mix. So coming back to the narrative, though, so you grow up around that. You've got the 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 entrepreneur in your blood. You've got jazz in your in your world. At what point did business for you start to become like, this is what I'm doing? Was it a given because of the entrepreneurship and your family line or was something else at work?
1: I, I definitely think there was something that was always there. Like it was always sort of a given because even when I was studying music and I was out there, you know, getting gigs and doing all that, it was like no one's going to own this. It's going to be mine. And then I, I, you know, it wasn't profitable, but I started a record company. You know, I did. It it was like, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be my thing. It's not going to be me looking for somebody else to to do that for me. And yeah, I think that's always been part of it. Yeah. I I see it in from the very beginning.
0: All right. All right. And then at what point did you start stepping into... The other side of it—it's one thing to run a record label in this night, and even though it uses the same the same logic and the same tool set mindset. It's another thing when you start stepping into a world where it's just with executives, and some of them don't even have a creative bone in their body that they know of, right? What, what was it like stepping into that world where you're helping with you know uh, strategy, team leadership, all of that? At what point does that come into the picture for you?
1: Uh, it comes into the picture when I graduate from music school look for something that's going to pay me money <laughs> and end up going from lateral job to lateral job because I have a music degree and also ending up working hand in hand with you know some of the the top leaders because I was always that let's go let's initiate something let's change something let's do something so I was always uh, enlisted to to be a leader on some level, shape or form and ended up being, you know, a manager and all these things. But I saw that ceiling because of where I was. So I, got, I went into, went back to school to get my MBA. And um, what's interesting about that question, uh, which I kind of take in a, a little bit of a different way is like, what happened to the create the creative in me when I decided, all right, you're going to study business, you're going to get your MBA, you're going to, you know, start really focusing on that piece. Um, lesson learned. I mean, it, I did kind of cut that part of myself off for a while. I didn't understand how to integrate the two. So I was like, that's that's not me anymore. Kind of. Like I didn't understand at the time. It was a long time ago now, you know? And I think that was something that developed over time where I was like, wait, did I cut something? Like I cut off a big part of myself. <laughs> to put on this this hat or this mask of like, okay, you're a business person now. they, they, they really do mesh and they really do it really does mean something and, and makes a person unique to have those different perspectives. And in particular, <laughs> I hope I'm not going on too long, but in particular, this idea that I went from lateral job to lateral job, that my resume was never going to tell somebody what I was capable of. So now when I'm in this world of helping people hire and helping people develop teams, I see it from that perspective of like, you're missing, you're missing a huge piece of the puzzle if you're not really digging into who these people are and what they can do.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so important. You know, I, I can relate a lot to you personally, uh, as somebody who has put away a lot of who he was because he thought they didn't mesh with the business world. Fortunately for me, I've also run into amazing people like Jason and many others who they don't care about that. As far as they're concerned, they got their own special kind of crazy. And and you know what? They're still making money. So they're not worried about that. Uh, before we go any further though, and I dive into that more, I want to hear Jason's reflections on what you said, because I know what you're saying, it it, it, it hits home.
2: Yeah. There's this cool correlation, right? that uh like high performance right so you look at military you look at police you look at firefighters you look at artists you look at you know nfl players and all all these different things these people that play at very high performing levels right it's like that experience is almost somewhat a catalyst for a lot of people to come into the business world and it's always been there it's always been something that's been there knocking at the back of the mind but they they just didn't culture it enough to take it to the next level or whatever there's probably like a million different reasons why but with all the people that we've had on this podcast over the last eight months i quote 400 people all of them come from very high performance backgrounds of some kind of very high performance. And after a while, you start to correlate these things across talking to all these people that there is a very specific carved out person that's meant to do this kind of stuff. And then there's the ones that aren't, you know, it's like I said uh, on the last call, you got three or four kinds of people You got a business owner and an entrepreneur, then you got a, uh, more of the hobbyist. Then you got a entrepreneur. They want to do something, but they can't even quite make it to the hobby yet. And then you got the employee, right? So I don't know. There's probably a few more categories, but, but, but the point is, you know, you look at high performance people and it's like, they're almost destined to get to that, it's going to happen at some point, whether they give up or fail or whatever, that's a different story, but they'll, they'll take the shot in the dark for sure.
0: Yeah. And and in particular with the work that you're doing around looking at the intangibles of who to hire, when I first became self-employed to, to, to jump on the the story that you, that we're telling here. I remember thinking to myself, "This is great," and you know, in the event that I ever need to go back, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll be way more qualified because I have way more experience, and I'm, I also can value more what it means to be the one bearing all the risk, which is innately true, at least from my perspective, only to find later that. I became what is known as unhirable or uh, or to most companies, because now there's too much experience. It's varied. there's all these projects I've been a part of and what have you. And it seems like a hiring risk. And yet the people who just do the one thing are the first ones that complain and jump ship when something goes wrong and they go to the next company that'll pay them the next thing. It, and that's the irony. And yet, those who did take out a stake and maybe didn't succeed, but are better for it, are now looked at a certain way. That's just one of a million ways that companies are hiring wrong. And 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 I love that you're working on that. Is this sort of what you're touching on? The
1: intangibles. Oh, you you, you just said so many things. <laughs> you just said so many things. I don't even know which one to like comment on. Um, yeah, I mean. I, well, first going back to what Jason said, there was something that came up for me around, you know, when you you say it's sort of like, you're sort of like born to do something or something like that. I I think there is something about even just epigenetics and things when I look at where, where my family comes from, but then also the belief systems that get ingrained. And the one thing I do believe is that some people can shift that for themselves and they, they, it doesn't necessarily mean they were born into that or they were born with that. It's just not as, likely you know it's just not as likely so anyone who's listening who's like oh that's not me it's like you can change if you really want it you know you can come talk to somebody and help change those like those beliefs that are kind of saying no I, I can't do that right and then to your point um about just hiring in general and and being unhirable and that kind of stuff right i I, I think yeah sometimes I wonder too like if I were ever to go look for a job again where the heck would I even fit anymore <laughs> like there's no it's just how all the different experiences, they they add up to something completely different than what you typically would look for in a hire, right? Um, But I think the other thing, too, when you talk about something like high risk, um, what does that mean? It means somebody might leave? Well, somebody might leave anyway. Or like, you you know, like, I I think, what are we looking for here? You know, what are you looking for when you're hiring somebody? I mean, uh, sure, you might have not have somebody forever, but if they're the right person now, get them in there and get them changing stuff and if it's not right for them anymore, let them go and grow and bring opportunity from you on the other side of that employment. you know, so yeah, there's I mean, I can't even there are so many things <laughs> no, know which one to address <laughs> It's so yeah. true.
0: I've done what two thousand interviews myself at this point and uh with ceos business owners even some venture capitalists and often especially when i was an entrepreneur there was a there was a moment where i would talk to a ceo and you know we'd finish the conversation and they go now now the recording's off we can be cool man you know and and they tell me you know it's weird because the team that you start at one to 100 with in terms of employees that's not going to be the same team as what happens after that hundredth hire right and And mostly startups are the ones that need to be hiring the people who are generalists and and who have such a varied experience, because they're also not going to complain when they're doing six different jobs, because as far as they're concerned, that kind of comes with the territory. But uh, I've seen, I've firsthand seen people who are more of the 100 plus employee type of employee. And You put them in a sales role and they're expecting you to hand them a list every day of fresh new leads. And when you don't, they start to stumble and don't know what to do. And now just do enough just to get by and begins to hurt the growth of the startup that needs that. So there there are certain personality traits that I would understand a company is looking for depending on where they are. I get that. At the same time, though, it never hurts to hire somebody who is so varied that they can change perspective of those who maybe are resting on their laurels and are a little comfortable in their role. But they, you know, we're having like meta and hypothetical conversations about things <laughs> that companies are just throwing a software to read resumes through, you know?
1: Oh, you know, that's the worst. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think one of the things I would say, I think this is actually kind of a, a big myth on some level that you know, a startup or whatever, you can just have everybody wear a million hats and, and people aren't going to complain or something like that. It's like, they might be told that at the beginning, you know, uh, they might, you, or everybody just does everything here or be ready to pull your weight or be a team player or all these kind of things. And I'm sort of against that concept. I mean, there there have been times it's like, well, we just run on adrenaline here, you know? And it's like, (laughs) okay, great. But you're probably going to lose a lot of people very quickly, you know, unless you have an incentive for them to stay until you sell the place and they're going to make a, make a payday. Right. In which case they know it's not forever anyway. You know what I mean? So, so it's like, you know, yeah, temporarily people will choose something like that if there's an incentive, you know, or they can put something on their resume, they, they got some title or sure that happens sometimes. But if you're really looking to build a team where people are going to want to stay, you got to know what role you're hiring for. You have to know if they're the right fit for that role. I mean, the biggest mistakes are things like, uh, you know, making the roll up as you go or hiring somebody (laughs) smart and then sort of figuring it out. Or, you know, like it's like, really? And then to, to the other side of the coin, a bigger company has Actually, more ability to hire somebody that they could potentially move around because they have all these places they could potentially move them. You know, it's like, well, you got them in the wrong place, but you know, they whatever. We'll move them over here again. You know, like you have more opportunity within a larger organization. If you've got a small team and they got to be working, you got to make sure that you hire the right people for the right roles. I mean, even the very first hire, I would say, is probably the most important hire, <laughs> right? Um, and don't expect people who don't own the company to be wearing a bajillion hats and not and not walk away they're gonna burn out and leave right and that's probably one of the biggest fears when you hire the first few people is oh my god this person's great but i am i gonna keep them and then there's all this energy you know make sure you got the right people and there are ways to do it <laughs> yeah and that's yeah.
2: there's yeah. There, there's a there's a funny you know because i own a staffing agency too that's one of my other companies and i i actually i got in the habit of, or not me personally, but my, my team that does the hiring over there, you know, I trained them. They're in the habit of, we don't take input from the company. We hire the right person for the job based off of a very simple job description of what they want them to do. No fluff, no frills, none of that. And we don't even let them have input. And we have placed hundreds and hundreds of people in companies, no issues, not one issue. They've all been fit. A lot of times it's the the companies themselves, they have no freaking clue what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the problem.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> surprised, Jason, that you're able to get job descriptions that are that are clear because that's one of the things I start with with people is I could look at a job description and be like, you're, you're never going to find this person. Like you're, you just literally named 10 different people. Like there's, there's no way, (laughs) you know? And, and I don't, can't tell you how many times, in fact, I have a whole list of some examples that I've pulled offline, like where it's just like, do you see what you wrote here? Like you're looking for something that doesn't exist. Like you're, you're asking somebody to be 18 different things. And it's not going to happen, you know, and, th- and also sometimes there's really vague information in job descriptions, like ha- handling everything under this one area. And you're like, how? What are the expectations? You know, um, so, yeah, that's that's amazing, though. I mean, wonderful mm-hmm. results. I I just even have a hard time getting. I've worked with internal recruiting teams to get their job descriptions to a place where somebody's actually going to know what it means when they walk in the door. Yeah. Yeah. I've
2: got a bit of an unfair advantage because I have well over 25 companies that I have, I have 13 right now, but I've had at least 25 or 30 companies in my career. So I got a little unfair advantage when it comes to what I know people need versus what they think they need sometimes too
1: oh i i could totally see that yeah i mean and getting very clear and and cutting Mm -hmm. out all the waste and all the yeah we might also need this (laughs) in case we need this you can kind of be that person too Mm. and you know just Just as
2: long as they don't ask me to hire somebody to do tps reports we're good
0: (laughs) for for me the job descriptions that always always catch me off guard are the ones that are entry level but they also want like 10 years of experience in something Mm -hmm. that literally makes no sense and yet they're everywhere i've even seen there was one company that was looking for software development and they wanted someone who had about six years in a certain language And the guy who invented the language is like, well, I guess I'm not qualified for this because when I invented it, it was only three years ago, you you know, (laughs) And, and he put it on Twitter and I'm thinking to myself like, yeah. That's how companies are looking at things. I understand the need to mitigate risk, but also, come on.
1: (laughs) Well, and also when it comes to like entry-level people, I see, I always see that where it's like, oh, just hire somebody out of college. Like they're going to be able to walk in and do everything. It's like, you have to be ready to train these people. You have to be ready to set expectations and help them know what they're being measured on and all these things. You know, it's like, they think they're just going to walk in and change the world and yeah. It's,
2: they it's, just lost their diaper yesterday. Yeah.
1: I know. I know. I
0: know. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I think, I think that, I think the entire hiring process definitely needs to be looked over once or twice. And that's why I'm glad that that's what you're doing is helping people have a strategy for hiring. I was talking to somebody on the phone the other day, they were a musician and they were thinking about how they were going to get something to come together for their own community. And I, and I told them, you know, you can try to figure it out and kind of do what everybody else is doing, or you can really think through what the end result is going to look like. And it's funny because I can love giving advice. And then as I'm saying it, I'm like, I should be doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, but, uh, but a strategy, uh, someone I know named Joe Alpabam tells me this religiously on a reg- on a regular basis. The right strategy can literally save you 10 years, 10 years of time. And that's insane. And if anybody knows this to be true, it'll be you too. Jason, because he's got multiple companies. And the only way to run that is with a strategy. And obviously you, Andrea, with the work that you do, it's literally what you do. You help people have a game plan for what they're going to do, as opposed to, we're going to put some stuff up and hire people, like yeah. under what North Star, right? <laughs> well,
1: and, and also in terms of when you are, when you have the people in house already, you're, you're, team, right? It, hiring is the the best place to implement the strategy because that's when you have the opportunity for something new. But you also have to look at the people you have and yourself as the leader, right? And so that piece oftentimes leads to, oh, we actually have some gaps. We have some things we need to deal with, whether it's outsourcing or hiring, um but you need a strategy around how are you going to approach developing your teams and why would you train this person versus that person and all of that kind of stuff comes into play you got to know what you need and where your gaps are yeah
0: strategy oh, I love it. I love it. And you know, I wish we had more time to go into other things, but uh, we are we are closing in on on the the end results here for this conversation. And we were just getting started. So uh, there's a few things to do. Right. Uh, number one, I want to give a shout out to a supporter uh, that's making this episode an interesting conversation possible. But I also then want to turn it over to you so you can tell people where they can connect with you and uh, get their stuff fixed or at least looked at, you know, What I would do think doc, well, we're going to prescribe you something, you know, and, and then uh, obviously we'll close it out with the big fun question I mentioned earlier, which is the grand finale tradition here. So to start it off and, and kick off this, uh, this latter half of the show, let's uh, let's go ahead and give a shout out to uh, what we have here is Kelly Gordon. And uh, I think many people who are listening will relate to this. Kelly Gordon herself is a serial entrepreneur, Who has day in and day out tried to figure out why all the things that didn't work out in her own career didn't work out? I know this because I personally have spoken to her on a number of occasions now. And she created something called Cyberpreneur Inferno, which is essentially a collective of a bunch of people who have run an agency at least. Multiple times in their lives, and finally figured out the kinks. And if you ever thought that you were going to start an agency and have more time, more money, only to find that you have less time, less money, and you're likely to break something every minute of every hour that you're working, well, if that's you, you can either spend another 10,000 hours trying to figure it out, or you can reach out to Kelly Gordon and Cyberpreneur Inferno and get it together. And in order to do that, all you have to do is go to. Now this is a mouthful, but go to get dot cyberpreneurinferno.com forward slash four X four method and let them know the war room sent you. And they'll give you a 15% off the tuition because it is an education because that is what's lacking. It's perspective and a couple of rules of thumb, but you'll also have a community of a hundred plus entrepreneurs who have figured this out in the agency world. So take a look at that. That being said, Andrea, what should people know about where to connect with you, how to connect with you and why they should.
1: Yeah. Well, anyone who's looking to hire, develop teams, develop their leadership, absolutely. Check out leadwithharmony.com. Check out... My profile on LinkedIn, Andrea McKenzie. McKenzie's with an MAC. And I have a blog up there. I mean, uh, not a blog, a LinkedIn newsletter up there. Um, The blog's on my website. Uh, And, you know, I I think also uh, just to know there's a little uh, freebie that sort of pops up on my my, uh, website at leadwithharmony.com on creating a job description. Actually, it's not a job description, it's a job ad, because we know we advertise it, and then we probably have to change it a little later, depending on who we hire. Um, and can, is it okay if I make an offer, I mean, just make a, a special uh, code True. for you guys so so, you. <laughs> so if you want if you want to kind of get your mindset into this sort of mindset of delegating and having a really fantastic team I have this audio of course I'm an audio person so I have this uh this visualization delegation and it's free for your listeners all they need to do is put in the code strategic and they can get that there
0: and the URL again was.
1: Delegationvisualization.com.
0: There it is. Delegationvisualization.com. I love that. And I'm grateful that you had an offer with strategic. That was perfect. Uh, so, with that said, the grand finale was, it was strategic for the strategic <laughs> advisory board <laughs> podcast. Uh, That's it. So, the grand finale is uh, to wrap things up the big enchilada, if you will, is if you could have invited anybody today to listen in on this conversation, who would you have loved to have had? And I mean, any point, place, and time, you can pick them. Who would you have had here and why?
1: I think it would be Richard Branson, because I just love his theory around, you know, treating your employees even better than your customers. And I think any conversation around hiring, leading, developing people, he is somebody I would want in the room. If I could have anybody, it would be him.
0: That is a hell of a philosophy. That's true. It's it's probably the third time I've heard that, but every time I hear that, I'm like, ooh, (laughs) he's a good one. Saying that is like, yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny because you look at certain companies uh, where they'll add all these amenities, like it matters to the employees, when really they just want to be well paid treated with some respect and dignity when they're spoken to and given the autonomy to at the very least take ownership of the, what they're responsible for. It's like, that's like the minimum anybody wants in life in general, not ping pong tables. That might be nice, but I can go to a billiards place or something on my Uh own time, you know? So I can I, tell you
1: about the workplace with the foosball and the ping pong some other time. We can have another, another conversation about that's that. It's a one.
0: specific kind of company, huh? Oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Uh, no, Andrea, it's been a pleasure having you here. Uh, a genuine, genuine, interesting conversation. If I didn't interrupt it, it would have probably kept running for longer than 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 we had anticipated because there's so much to say about this. Um, but that's why people can connect with you and 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 You know, move on from there. So, with that said, it's tradition around here for Jason to close us out. I'm going to let him do that. But I got to say, I thoroughly enjoyed this.
1: I did too. Thank you so much for having me. Really, it was fun.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know what? I mean, literally we could talk about this for hours. I mean, hours and hours and hours, and I didn't even really get that engaged in the conversation as far as talking. So I didn't even get started, (laughs) especially on this topic. Holy crap. But uh, anyway, we could have went three hours on this thing. Couldn't even have loaded the damn YouTube wouldn't let us load it. (laughs) <laughs> so, but anyway i digress uh thank you so much for being here um you know we all have the same 168 hours a week thanks for taking uh 30 minutes to spend with us today and thank share some you. of your knowledge with our audience we really do appreciate it thank yes. you all right cheers cheers,
1: cheers.